Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating through the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave. So that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We continue in our series through the fruit of the Spirit, and today we're looking at the final fruit, the fruit of self-control. But what is self-control? Dictionaries will say that self-control is the ability to control or to restrain your impulses, your feelings, your emotions, your reactions, especially in testing and trying times. So why does Paul end with the fruit of of self-control. I mean, you're probably thinking, what? Really? Self-control? We're going to be looking at self-control? Oh no, here we go again. You've got to behave yourself, young man. How boring. I mean, all the other fruits of the Spirit are so, so much more exciting. Love, joy, peace, but self-control... It's just that old negative stereotype of Christianity that you have no fun. And if you're enjoying it, it must be wrong. No dancing, no singing, no expression of emotions. Is that really the fruit of the Spirit? You see, trying to control your emotions is one of the the oldest problems about being human. For the opposite of self-control is being out of control. Have you ever had that experience of being out of control? When your emotions just seem to hijack you, uh, you suddenly are possessed by rage or anger or fear or pain or some other emotion and it just, it just overwhelms you and, and for a second your, your, your brain just powers down and, and you're out of control. Later you think to yourself, well, why did I react like that? Why did I say that? And, and you wish you could go back and, and, and do it differently but you can't. You know, perhaps it's just a bit of road rage when someone's cut, cut you off. Or that, that, that thoughtless, harsh, snappy comment. And all of a sudden you're just out of control for a while. 
Have you ever experienced that? Or or is it just me? (laughs) You see, self-control is a cinnamon for freedom. For being free. Because if you lack self-control, you're out of control. And if you're out of control, you're a slave to some other force. Some other power or emotion or impulse is controlling you. And if we're honest, we we often lack self-control. We can't control our tongue, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. And that's not even to mention addiction. Be that addiction to drink or a, a, a addiction to drugs or, or addiction to sex and pornography or, or addiction to computer games and social media or, or addiction to, to spending and gambling or, or an eating disorder and so on and so on. Often, we lack self-control. We don't have freedom. We are being controlled by other forces and impulses and emotions. So what is the solution? Well, in, within Paul's day, there were two classical solutions. The one was Stoicism, and the other one was Hedonism. Now, Stoicism is the Mr. Spock approach. Those of you who have watched Star Trek know how Mr. Spock deals with his emotions. He switches them off. He suppresses them. He, do, he ignores them. And it's a belief that that emotions can't be trusted, they're not reliable, in fact they're dangerous, and therefore the best thing you can do is suppress them. It's similar to the, the British stiff upper lip. You've just lost your job, your house has burnt down, you've lost all your money in a bad investment, it's all happened on the same day, and you say, hmm... Never mind. What's for dinner? It's called denial. And the problem with suppressing your emotions is that eventually they will explode and you'll be totally out of control. And the fruit of the Spirit, it's not about suppressing emotions, no. It's about making your emotions come alive. It's about walking within your emotions, enjoying your emotions, but not being controlled by your emotions, but being controlled by the Holy Spirit. The second approach is hedonism. And hedonism is the opposite of stoicism. Hedonism doesn't believe that the suppression of emotions is the cure, but rather it believes that the suppression of emotions is the problem. So it's not about self-control, it's about self-expression. It's about getting in touch with your feelings, discovering your feelings and expressing your feelings. It's not about letting other people tell you what's right and wrong. It's about discovering for yourself what feels right and expressing it. And so if your emotion is love, you express it. If it's anger and rage, you express it. Whatever the emotion is, you just express it. And the problem with that is if you, if you just express every emotion and impulse you have, you will eventually be totally out of control. And the other problem with that is, is it just doesn't work. Because... All our emotions and feelings are often contradictory. 
I have a very strong desire to eat chocolate, but I also have a very strong desire to be healthy. They are both emotions. They're both very strong emotions. And if I try to follow both, it's going to tear me apart. I have a very strong desire to excel in my career at all costs, but I have a very strong desire to, to be with my family and to be there for my family. And I can't follow both desires simultaneously because they're contradictory. They're at odds. And if I try to, it's just going to tear me apart. So if this... The stoicism suppressing of emotions doesn't work and the hedonism expressing of emotions doesn't work. Then what's the solution? Is there a third way? Well, yes, there is. And that's biblical self-control. It's the self-control that Paul's talking about. It's the self-control that is the fruit of... Of the Spirit. So the question is, well, what is biblical self-control? And for that, we'll go to our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 and 25. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Now the phrase, goes into strict training, is the same Greek word that is translated self-control in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 23. So the phrase could be translated, exercises self-control. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control. And over here, Paul is using athletes as an example of true biblical self-control. And this would be a concept that would be very familiar to the church in Corinth. Because the Olympic Games were happening during Paul's day. And second in popularity only to the Olympic Games was the Isthmian Games, which happened every second year in Corinth. So this is a concept that would be very familiar to them. And athletes from all over Greece would come to compete in the Isthmian Games. But in order to do so, those athletes had to demonstrate incredible self-control. Ten months before the events, the athletes had to come to the venue and subject themselves to a very strenuous, very strict, hard training. Strenuous physical exercise. A very strict diet. A very strict routine of getting up early in the morning, going to bed early. They had to give up a whole lot of pleasures. They couldn't eat any junk food. They couldn't drink any alcohol. They couldn't have a lazy lion in the morning. They couldn't go hanging out and partying with their friends at night. And, and they had, had to give up all these things. And they had to display an incredible self-control. Where did their self-control come from? Was it a Mr. Spock-like suppression of emotions? No. No. They were able to exercise self-control because they had a greater desire and passion. 
They were able to control all their other passions and motions and impulses because they had a greater passion and desire. The desire to win the race. This is not a suppression of emotions. Because the desire to win the race is itself an emotion. It's a passion of the heart. Biblical self-control is not the suppression of emotions. It's the right ordering of your emotions. You see, being out of control is where you love things in the wrong order. It's where you love secondary things as though they were primary and primary things as though they were secondary. Loving things out of order. Self-control is loving things in the right order. Self-control is having that one overriding passion and desire that leads to a right ordering of all your other passions and desires. And if we lack that single, that one overriding passion and desire, then it will lead to us being out of control. And Paul writes in verse 26, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He uses two examples, that of a runner and a boxer. Now imagine a runner running aimlessly. Running along and just being given in to any and every impulse. As he's running, he's like, oh, look at that. Oh, whoa, 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 look at that. And he's running all over the places wherever his impulses and feelings are taking him. I mean, it's just absurd. He would never win the race. Or a boxer who's just beating the air, shadow boxing. He's never going to win the fight. And Paul is using this as an example of someone who's out of control. Someone who's just following every and any impulse. He's just all over the place. And the result is that they will not qualify for the race. They will be disqualified. And so Paul says in verse 27, No, I strike, I strike a blow to my body. In other words, he disciplines his body just as an athlete would discipline theirs. And I make it my slave, I bring it under control, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is saying that there's no way he's going to be disqualified. He will qualify for the race. He will complete the race because he's going to bring his whole body under control. How is he going to do that? By having that passion and that desire to win the race. Self-control is loving things in the right order. Self-control is, is loving supreme things supremely. Self-control is finding those supreme things and allowing them to engage your heart completely and wholly and undividedly. And that will lead to self-control. Now, athletes can demonstrate an incredible self-control, but it's normally limited to a physical self-control. Often, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, they're a wreck. I mean, for one example, they often have this uh, destructive perfectionism. And they do all of this. They exercise all the self-control in order to win a crown that will not last. 
Paul says in verse 25, They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Now they would literally, if they would run to, to win a crown, it would be a wreath. A wreath crown. It, it would wither. It would literally fade away after a little while. That is loving secondary things as though they were primary. Paul says we need to be after that crown that lasts forever. That is loving primary things primary, supreme things supremely. So the question, of course, is, well, what is that crown? What is that thing that we need to be loving supremely that will bring the rest of our, our life into order, the rest of our passions into order? Well, as a Christian, that answer has to be loving God and loving neighbor. Loving God is all about knowing God personally and intimately. It's about being captivated by Jesus. It's about wanting to be more and more like Jesus. It's about wanting to reflect and display all the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your, love, in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, and verses 13 and 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we are serving one another humbly, in love. If we are serving others and not just our own wants and needs, then we will be loving supreme things supremely. And then we'll have that self-control that will bring all our other emotions, passions and desires into order. And we will receive that crown, that eternal crown. Now the crown over here... It, uh, most likely doesn't refer to salvation in the sense of having your sins forgiven and uh, experiencing eternal life because that is only received through faith in Jesus and it's not dependent on anything we do. So what Paul is probably referring to over here is the fullness of salvation. Experience that life now that God wants us to experience. Experiencing life and life in all its fullness to experience a true meaningful life. It possibly also refers to the consequences of loving supreme things supremely. The consequence of loving supreme things supremely is that it will bear eternal consequences. It will leave a lasting impression. It will impact people's lives eternally. Some people will even come to faith because they see and they can see an authentic display of the gospel in your life. It will lead to eternal consequences. But ultimately, the crown that last forever, is God saying to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And if our overriding passion in life is to love God and people, if our overriding passion is to have God say to us, well done, 
good and faithful servant. It will bring a right ordering to all our other emotions and passions. It will lead to a true biblical self-control. So how can we ensure that we always love supreme things supremely? We need to ensure that we are always growing in our love for God, that we are continually being captivated by Jesus and wanting to be more like Jesus. And we do that by reading the Bible and praying regularly. That helps to bring a right ordering to our priorities, a right ordering to our passions. And we need to be doing that both privately and publicly. We need to be coming and gathering together at church. We need to be meeting in, in home groups regularly so that we can worship together and that we can ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and empower us and enable us to bring a right order into all our other, uh, all our other passions. And we need community. We need to be in community because we need to be accountable. You see, we all have areas in our life where we have a weakness, where we struggle with self-control. And when we struggle with self-control, we have a tendency to try and keep that in the dark, to keep that a secret. But by doing that only gives that issue more power in your life. The way to overcome an unhelpful passion is to bring it in the light, to share it with other people. And to ask them to hold you accountable. I have a, have a tendency to, to, to overwork. I have a tendency to overcommit myself. And this leads me to neglecting Victoria and Naomi. I end up writing, doing sermon writing on a Saturday, which is the only day I have as a family day with my whole family. And so I shared this with the deacons. I brought it into the light. And I asked the deacons to hold me accountable to that. And it's by doing that, by bringing it into the light, and by asking them to hold me accountable, that I've experienced greater self-control, greater right ordering of priorities in my life. And so we need to be in communities. We need to be meeting up in small groups. And we need to have close Christian friends where we can hold each other accountable in this area. But ultimately, we need to be asking the Holy Spirit to come into our life and fill us. Because ultimately, it's only the Holy Spirit that is going to produce the fruit of self-control in our life. So do you need more self-control? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that so often we do lack self-control. And we do struggle in certain areas. We realize we, we don't have control in that area. We seem to be sometimes overtaken by our passions and desires. Father, won't you help us to bring a right ordering in our life? Help us to love primary things primary and secondary things secondary. Father, we pray that you would become our overriding passion and desire, that we'll be so in love with you, so in awe of you, and, and, and that will just be our desire and our passion, that that will bring that right ordering to all our other emotions and desires. 
That we would be like that athlete, not aimlessly running about, but with a single-minded purpose, with a single overarching passion. Won't you forgive us for the times where we have lacked self-control? Won't you help us to find good, accountable friends that we can be accountable with? Help us to set us free from any bad addiction. And help us to become truly free in you with the right ordering of our life. And so, Holy Spirit, we realize we can't do this by ourselves, that we, we are weak, we need your help, and we cry out to you, Holy Spirit, won't you fill us afresh right now and empower us and enable us to become the people you have created us to be and you desire us to be. People who are truly free. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.